Aloha mai kako, and welcome to another episode of Native Stories with me, Nanealo. Today we have Lorenz Gonshor, who was born in Germany. His paternal ancestors come from the area of Masuria. He studied anthropology, history, and political science at the University of Tübingen in Germany before coming to Hawaii in 2003. He obtained his MA in Pacific Island Studies at the University of Hawaii in 2008 and a PhD in political science at the same institution in 2016. From 2017 to 2019, he taught at Atenesi University in Tonga and since 2020 at the University of French Polynesia in Tahiti. His first book, A Power in the World, the Hawaiian Kingdom in Oceania, was published by the University of Hawaii Press in 2019. His main research interests focus on historical and contemporary governance and politics of Oceania. Since visiting his paternal family's homeland for the first time in 2015, he has been interested in understanding more of his Missourian heritage. In this treaty series, we will be talking about Masuri, which is a country located in Europe. Since Missouri doesn't have a treaty, this episode will have an overview of indigenous minorities in Europe in general, Missourian ancestors and relatives, how the two international agreements affected them, and how there is a now a cultural resurgence among those Missourians who survived these upheavals and continue to live there today. So welcome. Aloha mai. Um, thank you very much, uh, Nanea, for uh, hosting me today. Yes, so first of all, I know a lot of people among the audience probably know me for my research that I've done about Hawaii and the Pacific. And that's really what I, for the last 15 years or actually almost 20 years that I came, ever, ever since I came from Germany to Hawaii, I have been doing a lot of that research. Now, I guess um, this is very different because I'm not talking about my research here in the Pacific among Pacific peoples and their history, but it has to do pretty much with my own, my own history and my own families and my own ancestry. Now, most of my life, I just didn't really care much about my ancestry, and I just considered myself, well, somehow German and, you know, a German in the Pacific, and I guess German is my native language, and I'd, otherwise, I wasn't really much concerned about, about my own ancestors. When I dug into it a little bit more in 2015, I, you know, found out among, you know, family birth certificates, records, um, and other things, and also visiting the area where my, where my grandfather was born, that I am actually on my um, on my paternal side. Actually, that's where the name Gonshore comes from. Gonshore is not a, not a normal German name, but it's actually a, a Missourian name. That um, I am on my grandfather's side. I am Missourian. The Missourians, that's a Slavic people, like Slavic Eastern European, like closely related to Polish, Czech, and others, especially Polish. Now, this group of people historically have lived in area that is now part of Poland, kind of the northern part of Poland, pretty much close to the border with Russia in northern Poland. And that area, however, until the 1945, until World War II, that area was part of Germany. They already see kind of where the main problem there is. It's essentially a group of people that were kind of in between these two um, nation states. And essentially what happened is that, like many other small groups in Europe, small 
peoples, I guess you could call them indigenous peoples in a sense of that peoples that they lived, people of the land in Europe that had their own local identity and then with this growth of modern nationalism and of the of the of the idea of the nation state especially of the ethno nation state in the 19th century these people became essentially crushed because the they didn't have a nation state of their own and these big nation states they just kind of annihilated them either physically by genociding them or by assimilating them and forcing them to give up their local identity and becoming part of that kind of big national body politic. Both of those things that happened to to the Missourians. And let me just briefly tell you that late 19th century, the Missourians who until then, under, under German rule, but had their own, spoke their own Missourian language, which, like I said, is very close to Polish. It's not very close to German. And uh, lived, you know, lived off the land. Like this is an area with a lot of lakes and a lot of forests. So people were, they were growing food. They were, they were farmers. There were also fishermen in the in in these lakes. There's like about a thousand small and big lakes. Uh, it's a very interesting landscape. Yes, hunting and 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 those activities were there were were there as well. And so, um, you know, people lived off the land and spoke their own language until in the late 19th century, the German Empire was starting to implement its kind of nationalistic policies where like German is the only official language and people showed people were like more and more put under pressure to identify as Germans and give up their own language and speak German. And of course, also Germany as a, as a modern state offered opportunities that people there didn't have. And so a lot of Missourians, especially the smartest and the brightest ones, I guess, they, who, who got into higher education, they left and they just completely assimilated into German mainstream culture. And that's what happened, for example, to my grandfather. So my grandfather was, he was born in the 18, uh, 1890s, so pretty long generation. I'm, I'm 40 now, my, my dad is 80, and so it's like a long, like, generational gap of, of 40 years each so my grandfather was born like the 1890s and um, yeah he may, he went to do a career in the German military and became a military officer and I guess once the, the minute he left his home village and joined the, uh, the, mili- the German military he probably didn't speak a word of Missouri anymore and just tried to adopt learn German and then he he never spoke any word of Missourian probably to anyone since that time. Uh, my dad had no idea of that. My dad only knew about it because of the grand, like his grandfather, like my great grandfather, and he, and also the great grandmother. Like they were still speaking Missourian. So when my dad met them as a little boy, um, they spoke Missourian to him like a few words. But I guess they were maybe even intending on passing that on to my dad. But my dad, uh, you know, the the, the social contact just wasn't there and then my grandpa also died uh, after when my dad was I think nine years or eight years whatever and there was just like not that there were not not a lot of common time that they spent together so that's essentially how in our family that 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 got lost and the assimilation into German mainstream culture was essentially like concluded until like now I'm here and I'm finding all of this and I'm saying whoa this is like I mean this is not right historically that how this happened to my family now let me talk a little bit about since this is a treaty series about these two treaties that have affected uh, the the Missourian people and um, these were I I guess unlike some of the other uh, treaties that are being discussed in this series these were not treaties that Missourians as a people or as a nation signed with somebody else 
um, because nobody ever has recognized them as a nation, which is part of the, part of the problem. Um, but these were international agreements that were done by the big European powers, essentially over their heads, and had like tremendous and and very fateful consequences on them. So the first one is in World War One, um, the the Treaty of Versailles, which is the treaty that was that. Uh, that was signed uh, in Versailles in France to end World War I in, in 1919. So the, the World War itself ended in 1918, and then you know a few months later they all came together. Like of course the, the victor, uh, the, the, the uh, victorious powers, uh, France, uh, England, and uh, Russia, and the United States. Um, they pretty much dictated the content of the treaty, and then Germany and Austria-Hungary, as the losing parties, pretty much had to sign it as as part of, of ending the war. And now that that treaty um, had a provision that in these, I guess, easternmost part of what was then the German Empire, where where many people were were Missouri and, and so they were not native speakers of German, um, they implemented a um, a plebiscite, which I guess first at first glance sounds like a really great idea. So these Western powers were saying, well, we don't want Germany to oppress these Missourians anymore or these, these Slavic peoples there anymore, so let's just have them all vote which country they want to belong to. Now, unfortunately, the problem was that the only choice in this referendum was you want to be part of Poland or you want to be part of Germany. Like, there was no option to really, um, you know, identify as Missourians, and that's, I think, and that's really where the, where the problem started. Um, now, in this referendum, a lot of these people, even if their language, native language, was Missourian, it's, it's like I said, it's very close, it's closer to Polish than to German. But because most of them were um, Lutheran Protestants, which is the majority religion in Germany, and they were not Catholic like the majority religion in Poland, so I guess because of the religious uh, affiliation, most of them were like saying, "Well, I guess if it really comes to down to this choice, we rather stay with Germany." First of all, we have been part of Germany for so long already and um, the Polish, I don't know what they're going to do I mean maybe they force us to convert to Catholicism which probably they wouldn't have but nonetheless there was some reluctance to join with Poland even though I guess linguistically it's much closer and so um, they all probably about sometime, depends on which district but between like 95 and 99% they all voted to be part of Germany and not of Poland um now, now that's really, like I said, it's really the, the beginning of the problem. It didn't resolve anything. If anything, it made it made life worse for every for everybody because from that point on, um, and this the referendum was in 1920. So from that point on, um, the um, German government was essentially felt encouraged. Well, see, these people said they want to be German, so now let's really, but they still speak this weird language there that isn't German, so let's get rid of it and let's really fully assimilate these people and make them into real good Germans, right? So pretty much after this, the the really like the chauvinistic kind of colonialistic implementation of, of German language and culture really started there. Um, people were like names of, of, of cities, of villages were renamed. They were like from their Missourian, instead of having their, their Missourian forms, they were like Germanized uh, like I have an example, there is a, a village that was called uh, Pravdoven, and that was called Warendorf. Warendorf is the German version, right? Another one, uh, um, Bubrovken, and it was called um, Bibos, uh, Bibom. So, like, these were, like, just examples. And then family names, too. You have people whose name was, like, Dibovsky, 
like that sounds kind of pretty Polish, right? That's a Missouri name, and they were like they changed the name to or they were forced to change the name to Diebold, which is German, right? So um, all these kind of things happened. And then, of course, it, all of this went way over the top after 1933 when the Nazis came to power in Germany. Then, of course, that's obviously we all know the Nazis. That's like white supremacy, racism, um, anti-Semitism, uh, and like a, a probably over-the-top kind of ethnic, ethno-fascism, ethno-nationalist fascism, uh, you know, in a, probably the most extreme way that it has ever existed in, in global history. So, of course, from that point on, it was, like, absolutely, like, you know, full-on, like, you know, Germanization, like, to the to the top. Um, and like I said, many Missourians, um, they played along with it. I mean, they were, you know, just, okay, well, whatever, that's, I guess that's the circumstances. So, um, and then, well, we, we, we voted to be part of the, of the German country, like, a couple of years ago, so I guess that's what we get for having voted that way, right? So, I mean, there was not too many, too much, too much active resistance at the time, as far as I can tell. On the other hand, the Polish were, of course, extremely angry um, because they saw this as a, first of all, as a betrayal. Like, why didn't why didn't these people vote for us when they have a very close language? And then, of course, after what happened with the Nazis, then that Nazi Germany then in 1939 actually started World War II and then invaded Poland itself, went over the border into Poland, and then Germans committed like incredible atrocities against the Polish population, not just against the Jews, that was like the worst, they were all put into Auschwitz and, and gassed to death, but also the, just the Polish general Polish population that was not Jewish suffered tremendously and they were essentially treated as slaves or like pretty, pretty much rightless people by, by, the, by the Nazi invading army. And so, and of course, many Missourians were conscripted into the German army too. And so there were like, of course, also cases of Missourians, you know, uh, being part of these, of these German troop movements uh, into Poland. So the, the Poles pretty much were like very, very much full of hatred against the Missourians for seeing them as, 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 as traitors and as sellouts to, to their enemies, to the Germans and to the Nazis. Um, now World War, World War II happens, and then the second international treaty is the uh, Potsdam Agreement. That was um, right after, or pretty much when World War II was, was essentially over. Um, the um, three winning powers, um, the three big ones, right, uh, uh, United States, United Kingdom, and the Soviet Union, um, like and just pretty much in the persons, right, Stalin for the Soviet Union, um, uh, Roosevelt, for and actually Truman then, you know, because Roosevelt died, I don't know, one of the two, and then uh, Churchill for the United Kingdom, they made the Potsdam Agreement, and the Potsdam Agreement essentially said um, not just that obviously Nazi Germany needs to be, uh, needs to give up all the conquered all the conquered areas in World War II, and it needs to pay reparations to all the countries it invaded and all of those things, but also that the entire eastern third of Germany would would be annexed to Poland and would be ethnically cleansed of any single German who lived there, and all these Germans would be kicked out, like about 12 million of them. So that was part of the of the of the Potsdam Agreement. And now we come to the Missourians. Now the Missourians, of course, were not Germans; they were Missourians. They were their own ethnicity. And um, afterwards, when their when when that country became part of Poland, well, many of them were saying, "Well, I mean, you know, we're we're part." This is our land. We are part of this land. Um, I guess now we are Poles. Before they, they forced us to be Germans. Now I guess we're Polish. It's okay. Just let us be here. 
but most of the Polish, but many of the Polish said, no, 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 you guys were traitors, you guys were, you guys were German citizens before, you guys were not resisting against the Nazis, so you are just as bad as the ethnic Germans, so we kick you out too. And so uh, very, very few Missourians were able to stay, and I would say up to 90% of them were just labeled as ethnic Germans, even though they were not ethnic Germans, and were also kicked out and were part of that big refugee, refugee group of like, uh, like I said, like about 12 million Germans who um, had to go like to what is now Germany and then be resettled there. And that's, of course, when these people all, um, you know, then finally most of their descendants lost their cultural identity because they just became, I guess, absorbed in the mainstream of, of, of Germany. And, I mean, to this day you have a lot of Germans with, with Polish-sounding last names, like not all of them, because some of them were forced by the Nazis or even before to change their name, but some of them weren't. And then, so some of them you still have like people with with, with those with those last names in, in in Germany today that are that are descendants of that. But I mean, very very few of them have any kind of cultural at- attachment. Um, and then the land now empty of pretty much anybody was then resettled by Poles. Um, these were also poor people that I kind of really have pity for because they were not just, they were not settlers in the sense of like, you know, I mean you know, arrogant, rich uh, people who went to the colonies like in like normal settlers are, but these were people who, these were Poles who were from eastern Poland and then eastern Poland was actually annexed by Stalin to the Soviet Union and then the Soviet Union itself did an ethnic cleansing there and kicked out all the Poles further in the east so there were like millions of Polish refugees, ethnic Polish refugees coming from further east and these guys were now resettled in these places emptied of Germans plus emptied of Missourians as well in, in my area, in, in my, my family's area and then so there were like just, you know, these Poles from, from eastern Poland settled there and I guess now um, their descendants is like, are, are the majority of people who live there but like I said like every ethnic cleansing there's always survivors, there's always people who somehow um, you know, survived there. Maybe some Missourians. They when they spoke Missourian, they spoke it with a, such a with such an accent that they could pass as like Poles from from Warsaw, and therefore they were undetected, or you know those kind of things. And then, um, so like I said, uh, a few people are still there, and I know that in the village where my grandfather is from, there are still there's still like one or two families with the same last name as my great-grandmother, so I know that people are are still there, but um, relatively few. So that's essentially the story of that. And like I said, those who are now there, there is a, a renaissance and it's, it has, for a long time, it wasn't possible because the, the Polish kind of I guess chauvinistic nationalism of Poland was, was very, very strong, and it still is to some extent, but especially from the 1950s to the, probably pretty much all the way to the, the rest of the, of the century, was so strong that for a Missourian it was just hard to identify as anything else but Polish, so they also tried to kind of blend in there and not make waves. After all these upheavals in the 20th century, very few people, uh, probably not more than maybe a few thousand or so, uh, maybe even of only a few hundred who, who were still living in that area, which is now mainly populated by settlers from other parts of Poland, but um, those who still are there, um, many of them, the older generation, I guess they still speak the Missourian language to each other. And there is also now a movement to uh, like a language, uh, I guess, re- revitalization program. Like very recently, like let's say in the last five years, there are now people who are um, 
uh, there's textbooks now that have been published. Most of them are in Polish, so they're meant to like have Polish speakers learn the Missourian language, which is like it's very close. So for a Polish speaker, it's I guess for those Missourians who were assimilated into Polish mainstream culture, it's easier to come back to that because it's it's nonetheless closely related to Polish. For those like my family who went into Germany and got assimilated there, uh, it's much more, it's much less related to, the, I guess, the current culture and 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 uh, and linguistic practice of, of German. So it would be much harder. But yeah, in, in people there, some older still speak it, and the new generation is re, is relearning it. So that is the, the current situation. But I think now that you know, there's a, I guess a more there's much more awareness, especially of like indigenous movements world, worldwide. I mean, that's really something that, you know, and there's the internet and there's a lot of the young people who see what people, indigenous minorities elsewhere in Europe do. Uh, well, obviously also in other parts of the world, but also in Europe, like, you know, the Welsh and Wales that have revital, are revitalizing their language very successfully. People like the Sami in, in the Scandinavian countries that are very resilient and the Basques in, in Spain and France, and so on and so forth. Like a lot of kind of these, these indigenous minorities reasserting and, 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 and reasserting their cultural identity th- throughout Europe. And now I, I would say in the last 10 years or so, that has picked up with, uh, with some Missourians as well. So there is now like a growing movement of, of the people there who, um, who, are, you know, who, are, who are into like cultural revitalization um, Re-identifying as Missourians, there are there are websites, several of them, and people put instead of a Polish flag, they put a Missourian flag, and you know those kind of things. And they said, no, we're neither German nor Polish, but we're Missourian. So a lot of that is now slowly coming back of that of that assertion of of national identity. Any last thoughts or anything else you want to share? Um, well, again, uh, mahalo nui. Um, thank you, Nanea, for having me. Um, I guess if I want to just finish it in a more general sentence, I mean, I think, you know, in this day and age, um, you know, where, um, you know, environmental pollution is really going over the top in which, um, you know, rampant predatory capitalism is really destroying our planet, I think it is, it is really important that everywhere, not just in the Pacific or in North America, but it, everywhere in the world, people rediscover their roots, their 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 identity, and their you know things that reconnect them to the land. I think the time has passed where we should, um, you know, uh, have this this have this you know this this um, well this this kind of industrial progress vision of how the world should be because that is bringing our planet and all our lives like you know to the brink of collapse. And I think um, you know rediscovering your roots. As kind of an an indigenous person, and I mean, in in some way or another, everybody, even if you're a settler somewhere, you have your indigenous roots somewhere. Maybe in another part of the world, but somewhere, everybody has. If you if if you look deep enough, and then to reconnect to the land in that way, instead of part, instead of keeping participating in you know in settler colonialism, in predatory capitalism, and all these kind of things that unfortunately so many people are still involved. Um, you know, so I guess if that could be the message of this of this series of podcasts, you know, to redis- to reconnect to your roots, to find the place where your where your your Fenua, your Honua, your Aina, I unfortunately don't know the Missourian word, uh, uh, the land uh, uh, that you are connected to, where it is, um, you know, um, if that would be, and therefore. And that as a, as a as a means to really change the course of how humanity is behaving on this planet, 
that I think would be would be wonderful. So um, I guess I have like really generalized this whole thing now, but um, you know maybe that's kind of a, a, a good message that and a practical message that comes out of this uh, that I would that I would want to share. Mahalo for sharing with us. For everyone listening, please stay tuned for the next episode on Native Stories for our treaty series. If you've enjoyed this episode of Native Stories, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews helps us get new listeners, grow the show, and helps us to keep putting out new content that you enjoy. You can follow us on Facebook, just search Native Stories, or on Instagram, you can search Our Native Stories, and you can also search Lorenz at facebook.com lorenz.g-o-n-s-c-h-o-r or you can search his academic work at manoahavai.academia.edu slash lorenz l-o-r-e-n-z g-o-n-s-h-o-r question mark from underscore nav n-a-v-b-a-r equals true And we'll have his links on our social media as well as our website. And mahalo nui for tuning in. Ahui ho kako ame. Hola.